I was asked to preach this Sunday morning, I, I knew it'd be the first Sunday morning in November this time. And how many of you know it happens like this? We get to the very first week of the, uh, November and we start thinking about Thanksgiving and how it's so far off and how we need to prepare and, pre- you know, this. And then it's Christmas time. Okay. And we're, we're, we're shopping and we're thinking and we're, we're hustling and bustling and traveling and, and we never really, we've kind of gotten away from really focusing on that time of thanks given, you know, so I thought I'd try to get ahead of it this year and start preaching about Thanksgiving the first Sunday in November rather than wait until uh, the last Sunday uh, or the one right before the holiday itself. So this morning we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We're going to look at two places this morning. First, you can keep your seats and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 because 2 Corinthians is an interesting book to me because unlike some of the other epistles that are kind of addressing this issue and that issue and this issue and that issue and kind of systematically addressing things. Um, Second Corinthians kind of has some many lessons being taught by Paul, the writer, at the same time. Um, and what I'm talking about is we're going to have to understand that this is the second letter that he was writing to the church at Corinth. The first letter, he had to deal with some very serious things that were going on. He had to deal with some pretty big problems that were going on in the church. And that first letter reached them, and there was a certain group of people that heeded a lot of Paul's warnings and um, listened to what he had to say. But then there was another group of people, as there always is, there's always a divide, there's always two sides to look at things. And while one side of the church there at Corinth listened to Paul and obeyed Paul and obeyed the teachings of the Word of God, there was another group that rose up and began to ask the question, who does this Paul think he is? Who does he think he is? And Paul began to write this second epistle and uh, he did something and he teaches a lesson by the way he does it that I want to use as an introduction this morning is when he was questioned on who do you think you are, Paul, to tell us this or to tell us that or to tell us we're behaving badly or to tell us that we're sinning, Paul would probably be just like me, very tempted to get in the flesh at that moment and write a scathing, mad, fleshly letter and just explaining to them exactly who Paul was and exactly all the accolades that that Paul had gathered and all the accomplishments that Paul went through and, and, and achieved in his lifetime. But Paul rather does something a little bit different. Paul said, if you want to know who I am, if you want to know why I am the way I am, if you want to know why I say the things I say, I'm going to have to take a minute. I'm going to have to clear me off a spot. I'm going to have to move in right here and just let you explain Let me explain to you just who God is. He says in chapter number one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God who is at Corinth with all the saints which are in Achaia. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is where we would be very tempted to let the church of Corinth know just who we were, just what achievements we had. But look what Paul does here. Blessed be God. He said, you want to know who I am? But before you're going to understand who I am, who I was, what happened to me, the reason I am the way I am, the reason I talk the way I talk, the reason I explain things the way I explain things, is I'm going to have to reintroduce you to God for a second. I'm going to have to clear off a spot for a second and just remind you, Corinth, exactly who you say you worship and who you say you follow. Paul here teaches this huge lesson, and he was charging his readers this morning to do something that we're going to dial in on in chapter number four. Now flip over to chapter number four. I know we're jumping around a bit this morning, but chapter number four, and when you find verse 15, 
I want you to stand. Paul goes and he lists in the first three chapters all the things that he needed to remind Corinth about God and about the blessings of God and the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary and all the things that had transpired to enable Corinth to be a church and enable Corinth to go to heaven. And then he begins to dial in on Corinth and says, now this is what you need to do, believer. This is what you need to do, Christian. Verse number 15, for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Now look with me down at verse number 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. A lot of us would be very tempted this morning in this season of Thanksgiving to thank God for the blessings that we see, to thank God for the sweet wife we may have or the sweet children we have, and we do thank God for those things, or thank God for the possessions, or thank God for the security. There's a roof up above me. I have a good place to sleep. But sometimes, and Paul's going to dial in on something here at the Church of Corinth, we need to thank God for the invisible. So I want to preach on this thought for this morning for just a little while on thank you, Lord, for the invisible. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the writings and teachings of Paul. Thank you for every inherent, infallible word of Scripture you allow us to hold in our hands this morning and read as a body of believers. God, I pray that you get me completely out of your way, that you use your word to minister to this, your people. And God, be to that individual what they need you to be this morning. God, be loving, be compassionate. God, be convicting, be drawing. God, if there's one here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that you help them to see that this is the morning that they could make it all right and that they could come to know you as their Lord and Savior. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord, for the invisible. Paul introduces this chapter. He introduces this epistle. He introduces this letter with bragging on God for about three chapters. Okay, And he tells them all the things they should be thankful for. But then as he dials into the latter part of chapter 4, he begins to deal with some of the things that they're going through, some of the things that you and I are going through. And the church there at Corinth was going through some of those same things. They were going through a lot of financial hardship. They were under severe persecution. If they were labeled as a Christian shop owner in their town, in their place, many people would not shop at their store or their place of business, how they made their money. If they were labeled as a Christian, if they were labeled as one of these Jesus followers. It meant persecution for them. It meant hard times for them. Bless God, as we observed this morning, we had some men and some women throughout our nation's history that stood and fought so that as a Christian in America, you are protected, you are allowed, your certain inalienable rights to worship God in spirit and in truth, and we're blessed to be able to come. But the whole world is not that way. Even today in 2021, we were blessed with the men and women that fought to make that happen, that fought to protect that. But what you have to understand here this morning is the church abroad in 2021 does not all have that liberty, does not all have that courtesy. And there at the church of Corinth, he's going to tell them, he's going to lay it down plainly, hey, if you're going to be thankful, if you're going to be able to show God's grace to other people, you're going to have to have this attitude of gratitude. And even though the things you see swirling around you may not be going the way you'd like for them to go, the only way they're going to see God's grace in their life is if they see a thankful Christian. See, our thankfulness 
usually displays itself this time of year, doesn't it? When we have all these things that we gather together for, we had a fellowship this past uh, month in October, and as we all gathered for those good ribs and all that, and I heard things, oh, Brother Frank works so hard on this, and oh, Brother Frank works so hard on that, and oh, thank you, Miss So-and-so, for bringing this, and thank you, Miss So-and-so, for bringing that. But then we also hear some of the, well, we didn't have, no, I got in line too late, we were out of this. And, well, I got in line too late. By the time I got up there, there were no more of this. And we begin to really kind of show our attitude of gratitude if it's really there or if it's just something that we put on this time of year and we can begin to name things. I love the song, Count Your Many Blessings. And when you're asked to do that, a lot of times you begin to do what everybody does and start looking for things in your life to be thankful for. But what Paul was about to dial in on is saying, Corinth, church, this people, this group that are gathered in the middle of a nation that does not like you, that does not think like you think, does not worship like you worship, does not believe in the God you believe in, if they're going to see God's grace in your life, if they're going to see the person who lives inside of your heart, you're going to have to have an attitude of thankfulness. This attitude of gratitude. Look again at verse number 15. He said, for all things are for your sakes. All these things I've just said in the first three chapters about how great God is and what He did on Calvary and what He did with His sinless life, all of this was for you. And in verse 15, He says, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. You see, if you read that verse quickly, you'd think you should be thankful for God's grace, and you'd be right. But what Paul was actually saying there was if you're going to show God's grace to those who don't know it, you're going to have to be thankful. And then they would begin asking the question, thankful for what? And he begins to tell them, thank you, Lord, for the invisible. If there was ever a church that ought to have been thankful it was the church at Corinth because if you've read 1 Corinthians, you know all the things that they were guilty of, all the things that they were taking part in, all the things that they were letting go on of fornication and of adultery and of idol worship and of backbiting and of discord and all this pain and all the suffering, all the things that they should have been thankful that God didn't just flick them off the scene and not allow them to carry His cross anymore, not allow them to be a church. But Corinth there at this time of the second letter, even though there was still fussing, even though there was still fighting, they were still there. God was still allowing them to do the work of the New Testament church. And if there was ever a Christian that needed or should have been thankful for the grace of God or that needed to display their thankfulness of the grace of God, if there was ever one Christian that ever understood what that meant like, it was Paul. It was the one that was the Christian killer. It was the one that was the Christian murderer that God stopped there on the Damascus Road. And he said, why are you persecuting me? And Paul falls to his face and he says, Lord, what, what should I do? What, what can I do? It, it, I for, please forgive me. And we see Paul's life change. We see Paul's life miraculously used. And Paul's saying, if there was ever a church that needed to be thankful, if there was ever a Christian that needed to be thankful, it is the one that is reading this text. And here we are in 2021 reading 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And now let us examine our own hearts this morning. Are we displaying God's grace in our lives? through our own thankfulness to Him. And not just for it, because trust me, as me standing up here before you, I could go on and on about my two beautiful babies and my beautiful wife and my beautiful home and my beautiful... But guess what? Just as we've seen in Scripture and pictures like Job, all that can go away. All that can be taken. All that can burn up. 
As much as we love it, as much as we count our blessings, every single bit of it can go away. So Paul cautions them here and he says, you should be thankful for the invisible. Thank you, Lord, for the invisible. Is this preacher really going to tell me to be thankful for things that I can't even see? Is this preacher, is this text, is this Bible really going to tell me to be thankful and appreciated of things that I don't even know are happening? You better believe it. Yes, because Paul did, because Jesus did. Some of us in here today need to stop looking for things to be thankful for, quit looking for the visible things to be thankful for, and thank the Lord God Almighty for the invisible things He's already done for you, for the invisible things He's already prevented you from, for the invisible things He already has in store for you. A lot of us, especially in these United States of America, the statistics show we buy more junk, we accumulate more you know what to put in our houses and to put in our garages and we get and we get and we buy and we buy and we buy and then we come to church and we gripe and we moan there was no more deviled eggs right is that going to display the love of God to the people around us as if we're blessed beyond measure but we're so focused on what we can see what we can touch what we can taste what we can feel that we miss the invisible blessings of an almighty God. This morning, I want to talk about it for just a second. Thank you, Lord, for the invisible. First of all, the, the invisible connections God makes in your life. Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things work together for those who love God. We know. Romans 8.28 proves that to us. Number one, He connects you to the people of God. He connects you to the people of God. I told a story Wednesday night about young Kimmy, uh, Kimberly Kutcher, who's married to Jonathan Kutcher, who's serving in our nation's army. And uh, she was here last Sunday and she was here on Wednesday night and we were able to share her testimony with the youth group about how she lived on a street that wasn't a very good street and she lived in a house that wasn't a home to some very good people and she had a bedroom that you know was, was also home to some not very good siblings and some not very good behavior and she had you know a lifestyle behind her and around her that was not very good, but a connection was made. This grumpy man with a mustache and a white 87 Dodge van named Tony Holland turned down that road and he, he made his way down there, barely, because that bus barely ran, that van barely ran, and Kimmy got connected to the people of God for the first time right over there on that street. And I could testify of teenager after teenager after teenager that even though things didn't look bright around them, even though the things they could see were full of hate, were full of uh, uh, sin, were full of addiction, were full of alcohol, were full of drugs, were full of the invisible behind the scene will of God was that a connection would be made in her little life. She would get on a bus mainly just to go get something to eat. I, I called her out on it Wednesday night. I said she came in her first words out of her mouth weren't what are we learning about tonight what scriptures are we going to study tonight she said what are you cooking I said Kimmy you were terrible you'd get on that van and you'd say hey hot dogs again and I'd have to we'd have to fight to keep her on the van you see we look down our nose at the visible that spoiled little child she ought to thank God that we we're even giving her a peanut butter cracker but the invisible God's connecting her to the people of God. Because she ain't got no people at home that care about where she's going to spend eternity. So God connects her with His people. 
before he even gets connected with her, before she's even old enough or really understands the things of eternity, really understands where she's going to spend eternity, before she even is ready to make a decision for herself, she, God connects her. He makes a connection with the people of God that can point to the right direction. And I, I, I teased on Wednesday night. I said, even though she had a bus driver like Tony that was, sit down, be quiet, hush. He loved her. Why? His hands were on the steering wheel. His feet were pushing the pedals. He left work a little bit early to go get on the van. Even though the visible may have looked, this guy's just driving a bus because somebody made him. The invisible was that the love of God was showing forth through the people of God to connect to that. He connects you to the people of God. I know there's some ladies in here that when you lost your sweet husband, you didn't know how to connect anything. But then God connected you to the people of God. God connected you with some other ladies that have gone through the same valley. God connected you with a church that has gone through the same heartache and the same trouble. And God made a connection to the people of God that visibly you would have never been able to connect those dots. Visibly, you would have never been able to put the pieces together. But invisibly, He was able to connect you to His people. He connects you to the people of God. He connects you to the will of God. There's a Christian comedian out there, and his name's Michael Jr. And he's hilarious, okay? He's clean. He takes Scripture and, and expounds it as he's going through his comedy routine. He is hilarious. You'll never laugh so hard in your life. But he preaches all throughout the message, and then at the end, there's an invitation, and people respond, and people receive Jesus. And he gets up, and he told his testimony, and I heard it, and I want to share it with you this morning, because he was connected to the will of God, long before he was ever being used by God. And a lot of us, we get that backwards. We think we have to work and do and, 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 and sign up for ministries and sign up for this and sign up for that to get closer to God. But really, God's trying to get close to you way before you ever get the bright idea to go serve Him. And Michael Jr. tells the testimony about being a young man, being a kid, and he couldn't read very well. He had dyslexia. But he didn't want any of his friends to know because he's a comedian. He's a class clown in school. He's like me. He made jokes and he made humor to cover up his hurt and to cover up his struggles. And he said the only way he was able to learn how to read was by looking at the word on the paper, not knowing what order the letters were really there because of his disability. So he had to examine that word seven different ways to see which one made the most sense, and that was the word that he would pick. And he was able to reteach his brain how to read by looking at that word seven different ways. Well, as a comedian, fast forward 20 or 30 years, the way you make people laugh, the way you create a joke is by creating a setup to a joke that gets somebody's mind thinking it's going to end one way and then delivering the punchline that switches the direction and makes them think that that wasn't what I was expecting. And the initial response is a laugh. It's something that he was able to bring joy to people, but he would have never been the comedian that he is today as a saved child, used person of God, as a man of God that gets up and presents the gospel through comedy and creates a place and creates a spirit where people receive it and where people get saved. He would have never been able to do that if it wasn't for him being set up with the will of God by his setback of not being able to be able to read, becoming the setup of how he would be used in God's ministry. A lot of us, we look and we dial in because we're so focused on what we see, and all we see is setback after setback 
after setback. Well, I can't set, serve God because of this, or I can't serve God because of that. I'll never be happy because of this. I'll never be happy because of that. Most of the time, the struggles in your life, the setbacks in your life are simply God setting you up to do what He's called you to do in the future, but you can't see it. But you ought to be thankful for it. Because He connects you to His will long before you even know what His will is. A lot of the times we get so focused on our setbacks that we never stop and think this could be a setup. A lot of us that have been hurt never stumble out of the fact this may be used for me to relate to someone else that's been hurt. A lot of the times when we can't make ends meet might be used to point to the time when the one who connects all the dots was able to deliver us out of that situation. He connects you to the people of God. He connects you to the will of God. And He connects you to the Son of God. We talked about this here in Sunday school this morning with the teenagers, especially even when we weren't looking for Him. When we weren't searching for His will, we weren't searching the invisible connections of God bring us to a place where we have the opportunity to make a choice if we want to have a relationship with his son. As Paul's writing here to Corinth and he says, don't forget, it wasn't your idea to go looking for God. It was God's idea to go looking for you. Don't forget, it wasn't your idea to start a church. It was God's idea to start a church and to use that church to minister to you. Don't forget that you didn't see something that brought you to repentance, that it was God that saw you and brought repentance to your heart so that you could choose to believe in it. It's so important to understand that we have so much to be thankful for for, not only for being connected to the people of God, not only for being connected to the will of God, but we have so much to be thankful for that we are connected to the Son of the living God, that we are not just simply uh, you know, walking through this life alone, that we have Him in and with us. We may not see it, but we sure can show it. We may not see it, but we sure can show it by being thankful that even when we weren't looking for Him, He was looking for us. And even we, we couldn't reach up to Him, He reached down to us. We couldn't see it. We weren't searching for it. But it happened. Invisible connections. Thank you, Lord, for those invisible connections in my life. Those were the shouting ones. This next part is a little bit harder. Thank you, Lord, for the invisible crushings in my life. Because the biggest lie birthed out of hell is that you become a Christian and nothing bad ever happens to you again. Church just said amen there because they know that Christians have problems. Christians have finance struggles. Lost people have finance struggles. Lost people get divorces. Christians get divorces. Lost people's houses burn down. Christians' houses burn down. Lost people have struggles. Christians have struggles. What's going to make the difference is that when you realize that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold is what strengthens you, it's what prepares you, it's what creates an atmosphere and a closeness with God that nothing else can possibly do. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let's go back to Kimmy's story. Kimmy got on that bus. She kept coming and she kept coming and she kept coming. And she kept eating them hot dogs. She kept eating them little Debbies. Bless God, I, I promise you, there was a week where we had hot dogs like 27 weeks in a row. 
And some of those kids were going, I'm hungry, but I just don't know if I'm that hungry. And then some of those kids were going, I only had nine this week. But she kept strengthening that connection. And she bowed her little head and she prayed a little prayer. That was a big prayer to God. She got connected to the Son of God. But then, because we know it's a lie that problems don't happen, problems become, began to come with Miss Kimmy. Problems began to come in her little life. And there were many weeks of her little life where she didn't know where daddy was. Stepdaddy. She didn't know where mama was. She didn't pick up the phone and call a friend and go stay with somebody's house or go stay over here, go stay. She called her church. She called the family of God and said, I, I don't know where they're at, but I know where there's some people that have a heart to help me. And things in her life become, began to fall apart. And that's what's so important to understand is when the crushing happens, when the pain happens, it may not be your fault. It may not be your neighbor's fault. It may not be your circumstances' fault. Listen to me on this one. Crushing circumstances. There are some things that we cannot control. No one can, yet they still happen. No one knows the whys behind things. And as a young preacher, I got it twisted. And I, I, you know, I told people that they should never ask why. You ought to have enough faith. You should never be asking why. You know God's using this. And that didn't change the fact that that was true. But then I read a scripture where Jesus was hanging on the cross and he cried out and he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was Jesus that said those words. If Jesus, the Son of God, asked why, that the sin of the whole world had to be placed on Him, don't you think His darling children sometimes are going to go, why? Why? And what Paul's talking about here is be thankful for the crushings. Be thankful. We know that 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold and silver. That the only way things get stronger is through exercise and through sometimes suffering, through sometimes pain, crushing circumstances, crushing consequences. Going to get even harder to say amen. Sometimes it is our fault. Sometimes that the things that are happening to us are a result of our choices. You see, because God, when He created us in the Imago Dei, in the divine image of God, He gave us a threefold being, and He gave us the ability that He did not give to any other part of creation. He gave us a free will to choose of what's going to go on. There's a huge modernistic teaching now that humans don't have free will, that you're simply just a product of your environment. You're a product of your circumstances. Hog wash. Every human being is created with the power to choose. We have that power to choose our actions, but we don't get to choose what the consequences of those actions are. We can make every choice in the world to act how we want to act, do what we want to do, say what we want to say, go where we want to go, be around who we want to be around with, but we don't get the impact, we don't have the divinity to decide what the consequences of those decisions will be. How can you be thankful for the invisible things of God when it was you who messed it up? 
This is how Christians fall into depression. Can Christians get depressed? You're absolutely right they can. It's a real thing. This is how Christians start battling those powers and principalities and those things that are not flesh and blood. This is where we go when we look at it and we say, I have messed up. There's nothing I can do. I have blown it. I have royally blown it. What Paul's dialing in on here for, you can't see it. It's invisible, but it's just like the little GPS in your car that even though you make the wrong turn, it says what? Recalculating. And you're still going to get to the destination. You just took a wrong turn. You may have to make a U-turn. You may have to go a longer way around. That's a little bit harder to go because you made the wrong turn. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not talking about a God that wipes away the consequences of your sin and wipes away the consequences of your choice. He's already done that in the finality of hell. You don't have to go to hell anymore. You don't have to have eternal damnation and judgment for your sins. However, while we're still here on this earth, our sin, our choices, they still have consequences. But Paul is talking about here, thank the Lord that God's will for your life, God's plan for your life, God's purpose for your life isn't dependent on you. Dependent on God. You can blow it. And if you stay the course, and in 1 John, if you confess our sin, you confess your sins, He's faithful to forgive you your sins. And recalculate. Bryce, you messed up. You're going to have to go the long way around now, but you're still going to get there. You're still going to get there. The same one who's committed the ministry unto me, He's the same one that can keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. Thankful for the crushing, the crushing circumstances. We couldn't control what was going on. Little Kimmy couldn't control what was going on in her little life. But she had made the connection with the Son of God that even though all the things around her were falling apart, there was a God that came right into her little world, walked right into her little struggle, walked right in the middle of her little circumstances and said, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going through this by yourself. You're not going through this with some this or some that. You're going through this with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You've got the Lamb of God right here by your side. You've got the one that all power has been given to. He's the one that sits there beside you. There's been many testify. I didn't know his name when I was in that car wreck. I didn't know his name when I fell off that the bluff while I was hiking. I didn't know his name when I went through that circumstance or that circumstance, but I know he was there and now I know his name was Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the connections. I couldn't see them. I wouldn't have even tried to put those pieces together. Thank you, Lord, for the crushings. Even though I couldn't control it or even though I messed up, you still had the plan. And thank you, Lord, for the invisible creations. Sometimes we focus so hard on the minute details, we miss the big picture. Sometimes we're delving so deep into so many things that we miss the simplest of the simple of the simple. He is creating your story. He is creating your story. And guess what? He's already wrote it out. He already has a plan. He already has a purpose. You may not even know who He is. He's got it wrote for you. He's got it wrote for you. And I'm not talking about a Calvinistic ideology that you have no control over your eternal destination. Remember, He gave us all the free will to choose whether we would follow Him or not. But if you choose to follow Him, Paul's saying, be thankful 
for the invisible creations that he's going to, things that you would have never dreamed. The Bible says, I hath not seen, nor hath ear heard, nor hath entered into the mind of man. Man have never even tried to even come up with the imaginations of the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You see, once he makes the connection, and once he crushes you a little bit, when he fed the 5,000, he didn't just take the rolls and start multiplying them. He had to break them first. He said he break the bread. He made the connection with you, even though you weren't trying to connect with him. He crushed you down a little bit where you knew who you could really depend on, where you knew who would walk through those storms and those valleys with you. And then he starts to create. And then he starts to use. And then he starts to bless. We've got some missionaries with us this morning that can attest to that. When they go to those foreign mission fields and they see the hardships and they see the turmoil and they see the struggle and the struggle and the struggle and the struggle and then it, it happens. God starts to create. God starts to give life to those seeds that are being planted. God starts to grow those little churches and those little homes and God starts to bring them together and God starts to create right there in the midst of your circumstances, right there in the midst of your turmoil, right there in the midst of all the things you're looking around and seeing. He says, don't look at what's around you. Don't look at what you can see. Look at what you can't see invisibly, divinely. God is creating something with you, for you, using you for His glory this morning. And don't get any of this twisted. It's not for us. It's not for our glory or our praise or our church. Again, we get so caught up in how many did we have this Sunday? How many were in the choir? How many did this? How many did that? Well, at this date, we had this many. And at this date, we had this many. We must be doing good. You see, God's not concerned about numbers because He's already got all of them. He's not concerned about the things we measure success on because He already has all power. He already has all success. What God's concerned about is on an individual level, are you displaying His grace to a lost and dying world? And this morning, we're dialing it through your heart of thankfulness. Invisible creations, He's creating your story, who you'll be, what you'll be, what you'll do for Him. You may not always see it, but He cares. He's creating your sincerity. If we get focused on the visible, the temporal things, we can lose sight of what we should be focused on. I want to tell you one more story. Y'all know Arthur and Stephanie Sis members here for a long time. Arthur and Stephanie Sis haven't been in service for a number of years because they've been primary care providers for Stephanie's parents. First, her father who had severe case of diabetes and, and also cancer. And then her mother who had MS. And if they were focused on the visible things, there wasn't much to be thankful for. I couldn't imagine as a son having to take care of my dad and bless God, it may happen. I may have to do it. I pray it doesn't, but it may happen where I have to take care of my dad's body until his body dies out. Or I have to provide for my mother's body. That's struck many Christians in this room have filled these shoes, have done these things. And you might say, in the, how in the world, how in the world could I possibly be thankful for that? How in the world could I be thankful for that much of a crush, for that much of pain, for that much he's creating your sincerity. Because we know that God said the least here on earth are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The ones who have it hardest here are the ones who have it the greatest 
in heaven. And I watched from a distance as Stephanie and Arthur, day in and day out, they got up and they were the primary care providers. They helped facilitate the sale of their parents' home and use that money to be able to provide for their family members and pay medical bills and do expenses, all the stresses and anxieties. Some of you deal with that now. All the stresses and anxieties of wondering, how are we going to pay for this visit? How are we going to pay for this care? And how are we going to do this? And how in the world are we going to make this work? She fell again. Mama fell down again. Now we've got to go back to the doctor. Dad had another episode with his cancer. Now we've got to go back and get more treatments. And I watched from a distance and wondered how in the world could they stay faithful? How in the world could they stay marching forward and doing things and stay sincere to God? How in the world? I'm at their funeral. The second one. Last October, I preached Stephanie's daddy's funeral. And this October, I preached Stephanie's mama's funeral. And I'm standing there and Stephanie comes up. She says two words. That's where my sermon came from this morning. Thank you. And it was like God flipped me over the head. Is that she wasn't looking at that casket. The whole time she's taking care of her mama, the whole time she's taking care of her daddy, she's not looking at what they're going through here. She's looking at where they're going. She's looking at who they're going to be when they get to heaven. She's looking at this is just the final step. This is just the final leg of the journey. Yeah, it may be hard down here, but she was able to show me through her gratitude, through her thankfulness that, hey, if you look at what you see, you're going to get mad. You're going to get bitter. You're going to be unforgiving. But if you think about the things that you don't see, as Paul said in verse number 18, for the things that you don't see are eternal. When you have a focus on what comes next, when you have a focus on what is forever, when you have a focus on what's to come, the things of this world seem to just grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. He creates that level of sincerity. How in the world could somebody go all through that and not take their eyes off God? Well, you just answered the question. They didn't take their eyes off God. They weren't looking at the visible. They were looking at the indivisible. He's creating your security. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. In 2021, there ought to be a church at 2613 Lakeview Drive that says, thank the Lord, this world is not our home. Thank the Lord, the way CNN and Fox News are portraying it. Thank the Lord, this isn't it. This isn't where we're staying. This isn't where God has for us. But He's prepared a place for us. And it's secure. It's not going anywhere. It don't matter who's president. He's on the throne. He's creating security. If He dresses the lilies in beauty and splendor, how much more will He clothe you? If we get so focused on the visible, we forget on the invisible. How we didn't know where we were going to be sitting this morning 10 years ago, but He did. And some of you, as the instrumentalists come, some of you in here this morning may not have even ever planned on darkening the doors of the church this morning. But something got you up. Something brought you here. You may be going through some things right now that I've never had to go through that I couldn't relate to even if I wanted to. But God knows. And a lot of us me especially, get really guilty of sometimes looking at all the things in our life that we can see and we lose that attitude of, thank you. Thank you, Lord. 
Maybe as she plays, some of us just haven't told him thank you in a while and need to do that. Whether in your pew or in an altar, God's everywhere. God's with you. It's just been a while since we've said thank you, Lord. Thank you. Then some of us might be here this morning and say, I, I want what you're talking about. I want to make that connection you talked about at the beginning. I want to be connected to the Son of God. As Brother Harold sings, I'll be standing down front. If you never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you may not know a day, you may not know, but you don't remember a time and a place where you said, God, save me from my sins. I want a relationship with you. If you don't know, you meet me down front. Brother Harold, you come.